0: Again, everybody, and welcome to our latest edition of Can You Hear Me? I'm Eileen Rochford, CEO of the marketing and strategy firm, The Harbinger Group. And I'm Rob Johnson,
1: president of Rob Johnson Communications. I'm excited about today's episode because we're going to be delving into a crucial topic that many C suite executives often overlook when communicating internally with their employees, leading to challenges in articulating their message externally to important stakeholders. Effective internal communication is the foundation for a successful organization, but it's really surprising how often it's disregarded. So let's start by discussing why this issue matters so much.
0: All right. So here we go. Internal communication is the lifeblood of any company. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, especially some of our past guests. I'm thinking of Howard Karish. Oh, of course. When employees feel informed, engaged, valued, they can become brand ambassadors and they're much more likely to articulate your company's message consistently to your external stakeholders, right? But on the flip side, when internal communication is lacking or it's inconsistent, it can lead to misinterpretations and misrepresentations. That can harm the company's reputation.
1: That's right. So what are some of the most overlooked aspects of internal communication that we see in the C-suites for the clients that we have? One key aspect is active listening. Often, executives are so focused on conveying their own message that they forget to listen to their employees. Employees can provide valuable insights and feedback. And when their voices are ignored, they become disengaged and less willing to support the company externally, even if the company might not know it. So I guess the bottom line is for the clients that we have, Eileen, I think the first thing we always say is, we're just going to listen. What are your issues? How can we help you? Things of that nature. But in C-suites for companies, there needs to be that going on too. I mean, we we know really collaborative CEOs that we work with. And I know some CEOs that think they have all the answers. They're never wrong. And are the smartest one in the room. That may be the case, but if you don't get some other opinions, uh, you're going to be you're going to be missing the boat.
0: Mm-hmm. And despite the rise of empathy as the new buzzword over the last several years, as uh, you know, the magic bullet when it comes to uh, feel people feeling heard, I still see a lot of the type of listening that um, I categorize as. Just waiting till they pause so that I can jump in with what I want to say. That's not listening. That's frankly just being polite um, at bare minimum, like, oh, I'm not going to stomp on you while you're talking, but that isn't listening, you know? So going to the degree of hearing deeply what people are saying and being willing to examine what do they mean by that and using exploratory questions to increase your own understanding is a great way to become a much better listener.
1: I agree. And I think the, the other thing too is if you're going, listen, this doesn't mean, hey, Mr. Mrs. CEO, go and let your employees tell you how you're going to do things. It just means, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And you may or may not take that advice or that concept that they're sharing with you. But chances are, if you're listening for it, you can really get some good ideas that could help you create that internal communications plan then that you can then take to the marketplace. It It makes perfect sense. So it's not like I'm the boss and I'm going to let everybody tell me what to do. It's like, I just want to hear what people say. And some of it I may take with us and some of it I may not. And that's okay.
0: Right. At a minimum, you're probably going to learn something. And great leaders, at least all the great ones that I know and have read about, they're lifelong learners and they never close themselves off to new concepts, right? They're just kind of inherently open-minded. So that uh, willingness to listen is also a willingness to learn.
1: I agree. It's it's very important. And I think we're going to get into it a little bit later as well, but it all requires a little self-awareness and self-reflection. Like, who are we really? And if you're like, we're perfect, then it's like, okay, end of conversation. And if it's like, you know, we're good at what we do, but we could be better from a communication standpoint. Then people like you and I are ready to roll, ready to help.
0: Definitely. So communication should absolutely be a two-way street. I think we all agree that's important. Another issue that we're going to highlight in our conversation now is a lack of transparency. Some executives naturally, and I think rightly so, in a lot of ways, they're hesitant to share certain information with their employees Sometimes sharing too much um, can lead to confusion or can even lead to leaks that you really can't have happen, particularly in uh, publicly held companies, right? But in reality, every employee appreciates honesty and transparency to the degree that you're able to deliver it. Because when they feel trusted, and that's what you're demonstrating when you're being honest and transparent, they're much more likely to communicate and convey that trust to your external stakeholders, whoever they may be that they come in contact in um, the course of doing their job on behalf of your company. Again, I think you and I, Rob, we're not trying to say that this means you got to tell them every piece of sensitive and confidential company information. That's silly. Nobody says that. But it does mean that we're saying you can probably do more than you're doing on this front. Go a little further. Push yourself to think about what level of transparency can I really utilize? Uh, you know, more often with our internal employee stakeholders, um, so that we can foster more trust, more trust, and also just greater understanding of where the leadership is trying to take the company, so that they can help you do that. Don't you agree?
1: I do agree, and and I want to give an example of this, because I don't want people thinking for a second, and you already mentioned it, that we're not talking about handing out sensitive information, but a client that I had recently was concerned about the internal communications issue, and there was discussion about this company that was going to merge with another company, and people knew there was going to be a merger, and there was a lot of things they can't say, because it's very sensitive prior to the merger people knew there was going to be a merger so the the takeaway was there are things you can say to your employees to to be transparent to say we're looking for every opportunity for growth that makes sense for this company i mean you can say those things you can share those things without sharing the numbers or sharing the sensitive information that a lot of executives would bristle at doing naturally but there's but when you're sitting there saying it's got to be radio silence 100% in terms of the sensitive information perhaps But in terms of information that you can share with people where they feel like they're kind of in the loop, they're being communicated with, they're being respected, that is where you can do better. And that's, I think, a really important aspect of the point that you're making right here.
0: You Look at it this way. Maybe it's not everyone in the organization, but perhaps it's up to a certain level that you could share a little bit more information so that you're kind of bringing along the organization as much as you're able to, again, being very conscious of the amount of sensitive information and to whom it's appropriate to share. But often if you wait too long and you haven't brought in um, you know, a layer or two below your closest circle, it's going to be a lot harder to move things forward based on particularly merger situations. Just as another example, it's a great example you gave.
1: Especially if you're going to need them to help you carry the proverbial water you know a little bit later you're going to need them to be on board you're going to need them to be to be maybe thought leaders within the company and like yeah this is going to be you know if you need if you're going to need those people to help you convey that message but you're not sharing some of the basic components of the message you're going to be lost as you look outward and go external so that's just a, a little a little uh, cautionary tale there
0: yeah definitely another example i can give is um a couple of times in the, the just in this year of 2023, we've had uh, organizations we work with completely do redo. I guess their kind of um, offering or their you know brand positioning um, to the market specifically.
1: So it's not a full rebrand, but it's just sort of a tweak. Is that what you're talking about?
0: No, it's it's not so much just about brand. It's about product, like actual positioning of you know the the products that they're offering in the marketplace. Um, and so that you know, explanation of the revamping, changes of the strategic positioning takes a long time, right? And often the highest levels of your organization are involved in that, intimately involved, and that's a, a sustained change that they're all seeing happening and kind of moving along with as it occurs. But there are so many more people in your organization who have to then take that change and use it in their everyday lives, particularly you know your, your sales force, the big one. So. Be conscious of bringing in their voices, their minds, and trusting them to even help with the process. You're going to get a better product and you'll also have people who've been involved in the process who then are going to be responsible for infusing that change, you know, kind of through the ranks. And again, especially in your sales team. So don't, just leave them all in the dark. I think is is what um, I'm advising that leaders carefully consider, and that's another way to make it easier when you finally launch and you're ready to go. You have more people.
1: I think you're absolutely right. That's a great point, and having those different perspectives and understanding that yours is not the only one, even though yours, as a you know a, a leader, perhaps is one of the high, real high level ones. But getting those other ones, I think, really sort of beefs up the whole uh, positioning that you're trying to take. So. We should also mention, though, middle managers are crucial in bridging the gap between the C suite and employees. Unfortunately, they are sometimes left out of the communication loop, leading to mixed messages and misunderstandings. Empowering middle managers to be effective communicators can really make a significant difference. And there is such a divide here sometimes because you have that person that's sharing that message with a lot of the other workers. um, and, And yet, when they hear it they're not getting they're not getting any nuggets that they can share cuz they want to be able to communicate with the the folks that they manage and and sometimes if you're not giving them any of those nuggets that i just mentioned then you're putting them in a bad spot and it's going to be a hard sell if you don't have the folks that are going to be executing your strategy looped in even in a just a transparent way.
0: And you've made her such an interesting point here, Rob, that and here's how I interpreted what you said. So it's the middle managers, it's not just about making sure they have the information. That in and of itself would be helpful, but making it possible for them to have the skills to be effective communicators. That's a whole different thing, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And, you've, and I have found with some of my clients That those people who get that information shared with them, but maybe they're not the best communicator, get sort of pushback from the folks that they're managing who say, well, that person doesn't really communicate that very well. So then the bosses with self-awareness that I was talking about earlier have to say, you know what? We need to do an internal assessment. We need to really go bare bones here and just figure out, you know, go down to the studs. You know, let's start there. And, and, and start building it back up. And, and that's what some places have to do. And if they don't do it, you're always going to have a disconnect. You're always going to have a disconnect. And so, yes, it's not just share that information with those, those middle managers, but also make sure that they can communicate the message effectively to the people they manage.
0: Yeah. That's a good thing to pause and think about um, for our listeners and those who are kind of leading larger teams I have a example to share this isn't too long ago, we had a client approach us because I guess they have a monthly presentation that's virtual to their board that's on uh, two different subjects. And one of them frequently had involved a member of their technical sales team and two of uh, that person's direct reports. And the board actually went to the leadership team and said, those people really need help with being better communicators. And so the leadership team came to us and said, would you please host training sessions with these technical salespeople on how to get up in front of a group of people and organize information cogently um, and then deliver it in a compelling way so that people want to hear what they have to say because apparently what these folks lead um, is one of the more you know advanced areas of the organization. It's a technology company. And what they're doing was so important, but the board totally couldn't understand them <laughs> at all. So it was a really interesting situation. So we did do these trainings and the first version that we did was two whole days where their managers said, you go, it's like you're going to school. And so we constructed this curriculum and helped them learn how to do this, not just in a textbook way, but you know, practical application. But the what you said earlier, Rob, about like learning about who you are and how that affects how you communicate and how you lead. It is so true because I remember being in this meeting with these three folks and and we had to realize like allow them to share and embrace that they they truly struggled with doing this. Not that they were like afraid of standing up in front of a group of people, but each had a different reason for struggling with doing this. So there were these breakthrough moments where, you know, one um, English was a second language for them. And so they realized if I write my presentation in my native language. And deliver it, and then write my notes in in English, I guess. Um, they had this like rapid improvement from the first day to the second day. So it was fascinating. But you know there's just things like that. I just really appreciated that that the leadership team of this client organization heard what the board had to say and kind of put gave these people the time and found them help, you know, to become better communicators.
1: And what you're talking about is the self awareness that the bosses had to say we need to do this professional development. This is where we're falling short. Instead of we're perfect, we're great. We have a marketing department, which is sometimes the answers you hear, and you're like, well, this this is not relevant to them. This is a totally different level. And and one of the clients that I'm working with right now is dealing with the same thing. Like, can you help these sales folks go to the marketplace, make their pitch? And they all have different little different needs. they're not they're not going to the same audience. They're going to a little bit different audiences. So then all of a sudden we're breaking down, okay, let me give you the best uh, practices for communication techniques. And then it's like, I want to see your presentation. And so I'll see their presentation. And it's like you can't read from it. You're talking about writing it, but then also having your notes. and i and I'm such a big believer in this. I'm like, you cannot read from your slide deck from your presentation the whole time you you, that should be your bullet point that one line should you should have enough confidence in what you know to be able to expand on it and to give color around it and so I really try to work with people on that but but because these sales teams have different needs yes they're selling the product or the service but they're also doing it in front of different audiences so we'll even boil down like I said their presentation. Oh, if you change that, if you made that more relatable there, I think you'd really connect with them. You know, th- so things like that, there's so much there, but it all starts with people understanding we can be better. Even though we're really good, we may be making a lot of revenue, we may be having a good year, whatever the case is, it's professional development. And anybody that gets called into this, I always remind them. Listen, this isn't like going to the principal's office. This is like they believe in you and they like you enough and they respect you enough to want to invest in your professional development. This is a feather in your cap.
0: Truly. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. How nice to have uh, people who believe in you, right? Absolutely. Especially at work.
1: <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. To give you wind beneath your wings, right?
0: So there's a lot for us to keep talking about here in terms of the gap um, and bridging the gap between the in- internal and external. Let's, uh, touch on the concept of remote work for just a second, because there is a big impact um, of remote work on effective communication. So um, more and more companies have adopted remote and hybrid work models, and everybody knows it's probably going to continue in that direction to a large degree. Yeah, there's, you know, the return to office, but that Hybrid model, I think that's going to be around forever and ever. So, having effective internal communications becomes even more critical when you have people um, living in two worlds and using, you know, slightly different technologies and things when they're uh, working on your behalf. Now, remote work, I think we all have felt this. It can create a sense of isolation among employees, and without proper communication channels, frequent types and varied types of communication. That can definitely lead to misalignment and a decrease in your engagement in your workforce so investing not just in technology and strategies that support you know the seamless remote communication but investing in the skills like we were just talking about that make it easier for people to understand how do I have to communicate different differently even if i'm you know at the home office or satellite office if i've got five people joining me from five different locations, um, what do I have to remember and what skills do I need to have as a communicator so that everyone can fully participate in that meeting and that no one's at a disadvantage? I'm sure you've experienced this, right?
1: You just brought up a really good point, which is the closer you are to the mothership, Naturally, the more loop you're going to be, the more you're going to be invested in it. And when you are doing the remote work or where you, whether you have offices all over and, and meeting remotely is your best means of communication because people are all over, you know, the, the country. I was working with a client uh, on an, an internal communications assessment, and I found, and this is not surprising at all that the people that were closest to the action where the bosses were felt like, Hey, I'm in the loop. I'm good. And so we were doing, you know, kind of giving scores and everything. And they would be like, yeah, I know what's going on. I feel like I'm communicated with, I feel like this, but you, if you were at a remote office and you were in sales in, in, you know, somewhere far, far away, there was real frustration there. And that's where there was an opportunity to discuss, well, how do we communicate better? So it's not just the people at corporate that feel like, yeah, I'm good. It's the other people that are you know, running through walls for you all over the country that may be doing that. And so it was really fascinating for me to see that. It wasn't surprising. Hey, I work really far away and they just don't communicate that well with me, which is not, they're not doing it on purpose It's just easy to be in the corporate office, walk down the hallway. You might hear something. You might talk to one of the, you know, the SVPs or something. I mean, just just because you're around it, but all of those people, if you're really going to be good at this, all those people need to be in the loop and it can't be just the people that are closest to the mothership.
0: I I will share one tip um, that I have seen lead to much better alignment for teams. And this may seem really obvious but I'll say it anyway. So every time there's a meeting scheduled, that meeting, and this is, you know, let's assume there's going to be multiple participants who are virtual. That meeting must have a stated purpose, clear roles for every participant, an agenda created in advance that has structure and a thoughtful flow. And if there are pre-reads that you provide them linked to the meeting invitation days ahead of time and notify people that you've done so, so that they can come to that meeting and contribute and that no one's at a disadvantage, like I said before. But that helps tremendously to make sure that people can participate and contribute, as I've said. But even if they're not, if they're a passive participant in that meeting, they're, they get the benefit of knowing what is this about? And have I had the time to read something in advance that makes it possible for me to absorb the information shared during the meeting you know, better? It's just a little food for thought. It's a very simple thing, but it really matters. I've seen it make a huge difference. And
1: think about you made the world much smaller for a lot of those people. They're like, I'm coming to this meeting. I'm not really sure what I'm going to get out of it. I'm not really sure how I'm going to contribute. And then if somebody says, here are the expectations for you, 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 and you, then everybody's like, oh, okay, that's good. And so, yes, you can prepare with purpose. You can be specific in what you're, you're, you're making sure that you bring to the table at that particular meeting. And you are achieving your objectives in a very meaningful way.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I would argue that that is necessary no matter if everyone's sitting in the same darn room or if there's people, you know, joining from three different countries. What I just outlined is something that's essential for good, you know, team management and communication and having a productive exchange, you know, no matter, right? But it's even more important when people are remote, And there should never be a meeting where it's not evident what your role is. Like, why would you go if it's not clear? Even if it's, I'm there to hear what these three people have to say about a new initiative. That's a role, right?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's great advice, and I think that you know, as we sit here and say, what are your practices for in person versus what are your practices for remote? Because remote is playing such a large role now that you need to make sure that the prep work you put in for something that would be in person needs to be the same for remote, even though some people. And it's been my experience. They go, "Oh, I was just remote. We were okay." But then, if you had an awkward moment in the meeting, if you're pitching something and somebody doesn't know when they're supposed to go or what they're supposed to say, and you have that awkward silence, you've just lost the momentum from that meeting, and you don't you don't want that. That's not a not a good look. So we always love here at Can You Hear Me to talk about some of these great issues, and and this one in particular is just you know it, it's so relevant. I think to what we do on a almost an hourly basis during the week, Eileen. But we do like to leave everybody with some thoughts, with some ideas about what C-suite executives can do to improve their internal communication. So we found some good tips from the website live webinar, which include get leadership buy-in. That goes without saying. Aligning those strategies and materials, it takes time and resources. So obviously you have to get C-suite level sign-off before you start looping in multiple departments. I don't think that's a, a big secret. Identify your key stakeholders, knowing who you need to collaborate with will speed up the process of aligning messaging and developing materials and then create brand guidelines. So you prepare material with approved ways that you need to talk about the company and share them internally. So everybody is on the same page. They have message discipline. They're not talking about the company in six different ways. And it makes sense to have everybody buy in internally before you go external. And so develop and test communication internally first it makes great sense so if you need to communicate something first agree on the main messages and how you present them with some of your key internal stakeholders then test them out on the internal teams to gather feedback because if you're listening as we said earlier you might learn something you might get an idea and there's nothing wrong with that and use consistent branding um same colors fonts images tone in your internal and external communications for consistency that goes without saying i don't think that's any sort of uh radical idea. And then empower your employees to become the brand ambassadors. We talked about this earlier, connect employees to your brand by giving them the tools, the training, the information they need to communicate your values and your unique selling propositions. I think all good advice there.
0: Absolutely. Really good. Nice way to um, bullet point that out for us. Thank you. And and I'll just bring this great discussion to um, a, a close, if you will, with one last thought and that is um, every, every leader, we need to prioritize internal communications and think of it as a strategic imperative. So that means we need to regularly engage with our employees, always give clear information, right? Think ahead and make sure that you're making their knowledge a priority so that they can come along with you, as well as actively seeking input from them. What's their feedback? And listening and applying what they have to say. So fostering this culture that really um, relies on and demonstrates and lives actively open communications that helps our employees feel comfortable to share their own ideas, their own concerns, all that. It's vital to any productive, healthy um, organization. And one last thought is a great way to internally communicate and make people feel good is to recognize and celebrate fun achievements anniversaries, births, uh, weddings, uh, pet adoptions, all of those things. And the more that you can put those celebrations of the people who work in your organization front and center, the more that I think they feel valued. Um, And again, they're going to be stronger advocates for your employer brand and having a strong workforce and always being able to easily attract people to work at your company is harder and harder and more important than ever. Right.
1: Right. And and that last part wasn't you just talking the talk? That's you walking the walk because I know that's something that's a priority for you at the Harbinger Group, is to make everybody feel involved and to and celebrate those accomplishments and doing those little things. So I, you know, even though I'm not working with you day in and day out, I see it pretty regularly, and so that's something that you employ all the time. So I'm I'm appreciative that you uh, shared it with our listeners.
0: We love it. It's a it's just a fun thing, and who doesn't want to break up the workday with fun stuff? Every once in a while, just makes it, I don't know. You like the people you work with more and you learn something about them when you do that. It's a good thing.
1: And it costs very little and it earns you goodwill that you might not normally, that that other people might not normally get if they're not doing it. So the fact that you are doing it earns you that goodwill as well. If we didn't give you enough good reasons to do it, there's another one, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Can You Hear Me? I'm Rob Johnson, and we'd love to hear from you all, our listeners. So if you have any thoughts on today's topic or any other topic you'd like to have us cover in future episodes, please reach out to us on social media.
0: And we include how to reach us on social in the show notes so you can find us there. All right then. I'm Eileen Rochford. Thanks everybody for listening. And remember, you can find the Can You Hear Me podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks very much.